And welcome back to the Purity to Polyamory podcast. This is a podcast where we discuss the journey that is going from purity culture, organized religion, organized systems and structures that no longer serve us, and journeying into the world of non-monogamy, whatever that looks like for you. Okay, you guys, I know I say it every start to every podcast, but this podcast. This episode is so good. I was editing it a little bit ago and I just was pulling out little nuggets, little gems of wisdom that my guest and I talked about. My guest is someone that many of you might know if you have spent any amount of time in the deconstruction circles or community. Kevin Garcia is the author of Bad Theology Kills, which is their story of their journey coming into their queerness and fully embracing that, having come from an evangelical background. Many people know Kevin. They know Kevin's story. They might not know that Kevin is a non-monogamous human. And I am... So honored, so excited to be able to share a little bit about Kevin's journey in the non-monogamous space and really hear their heart behind why they are approaching life this way. I think that we both share a lot of the same sentiments when it comes to polyamory. And I think that you're going to walk away from this conversation with some things that you might not have thought about before. We're gonna start off by hitting on a point that comes up pretty often in the non-monogamous space, which is many of us who have the background of having had some kind of infidelity, betrayal of some kind, um, whether that was our partner or ourselves, and just got those like gears turning, thinking about relationships and desires and what it means to be honest with our partners about those desires and can we live in a world where we don't act on those desires or should we be honest about that it is a part of our life that we're going to want to explore. A little bit later in the episode Kevin actually talks about their experience dating a couple like coming into an existing couple which is actually a really interesting topic we haven't talked about that yet on purity to polyamory the triad dynamic so i encourage you guys to tune in open your minds open your hearts and get ready for another really killer conversation let's go kevin garcia i am so excited i'm so pleased are here today and like i feel honored because You, like, I didn't actually message you first. Like, you commented on one of my posts. Yeah. And you were like, I want to be a part of this. Yes, because this is, like, one of the conversations, like, it still feels like such a fringe conversation for so many people. And yet there are so many of us non-monogamous and poly folk out here who we don't know. We don't know we're here. We don't know who's in the room. You know, there's more of us than we think. And, um, and some of us also, I think have these desires and don't know how to talk about them. So blah, blah, blah. I'm happy to be here. I'm super excited. Are you comfortable sharing like where you're at? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. 100%. 
Okay, so take me back. Like, when did polyamory? I mean, we like, of course, you have your book, you have your mm-hmm. story. I'm sure you've gone on a plethora of podcasts to discuss your yeah. journey of, you know, coming out and deconstruction yeah, all and that all that good, that. delicious shit. Um, so you know, I, you can find that story. Yeah, mm-hmm. our listeners can find that story if they want to. But I want to know when mm-hmm. you started to contemplate non-monogamy. Well, um, I, it's, uh, I mean, like, I mean, to, to be frank, so here's, uh, I've said this in passing a few times, but it's never been like the central focus of something, but I cheated on a partner back in the day. Um, and it was the worst fucking thing I did, at least like in that, when I thought I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm the worst thing in the world. Because like, I remember like, even when I came out as queer, I was still very much um, kind of, um, no pun intended, married to heteronormative ideals. Mm-hmm. Um, I still needed to break up with those. Um, I can't talk right now, mom. Sorry, my mom tried to call me. I'll put that on. Do not disturb. Work. Cool. Sorry. Um, cheated on my partner. It was fairly terrible. It, God. Oh. Moms. So there's a reason I didn't text you stop okay (laughs) Uh, so I cheated on my partner I felt incredibly terrible about it and I also it was the first time I was like I had to question like the question uh, my partner asked me was why did you do that why did you do that why did you and like and I'm sitting here trying to figure out um, an okay way to say I mean, because like when I really boiled, like when it boiled down to something like under the surface, why'd you do it? Well, I did it because I wanted to. Otherwise I wouldn't have done it, right? Right, yeah. But that was, that was a conclusion like I had to get okay with, like, cause that was the, that had, for me, that was my reality. Um, And like, there was also the additional things of just like, we were in a really codependent, unhealthy relationship. I was really young in my queerness. I was still trying to figure out what to do with the feelings in my body and I was exploring gender and still did the wrong thing. I still, mm-hmm. I, I still overstepped a promise and a boundary that I made to somebody else. Mm-hmm. So this is me saying, I know what I did was wrong. And I now understand why I did it though. Um, being Christian um, my entire life, I was really married to this idea of I'm going to find a partner and we're going to settle down and we're going to have kids and a family and we're going to really just like do the heteronormative thing, you know, to try and be as much like these Christian couples who seem to be really close to God, you know, really, like I wanted the fantasy. Yeah. Um, and that's honestly, that that's purity culture, but just in a different package, if we're being honest. Yeah, that's so interesting that like, you stepped into your queerness and you had like, you know, gotten out of the hetero, like normative package Mm. that that is. And then like, just sort of found yourself still like a little bit boxed in there. Yeah. And I think, um, I think especially if you live in the South, like, and just in general in North America or anywhere, like monogamy is like prescribed for everybody off the get go. So like, it wasn't even in my mind an option um, because I had, I mean, again, I had never seen it done successfully in my, in my neck of the woods. And I, I also didn't understand the reasons why people 
would want that because it's like you like I it was the idea in my head was I should be happy if I get the thing. Mm-hmm. That was I just I got the thing, and I wasn't happy. Yeah, um, and so well, oh, go I was ahead. gonna say one thing that you just said like. I didn't see it done successfully. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a big point right there because what is success in a relationship? Exactly. And so you have to really kind of shift your mindset Mm -hmm. when you start to think about these things. So anyways, go on. Yeah, because for me, success looked like long longevity. Mm -hmm. Um, My grandparents, God rest their souls, were married for 65 years. Mm. and love that for them I really (laughs) want to know how much of it was actually happy right yeah (laughs) um you know different time different different strokes etc yeah I started to once that happened I you know everything came out in the wrong way like my partner found out and we tried to reconcile and we worked on it for and by worked on it I mean we stayed together and really gave it the old college go of trying to work it out um but there were certain uh, traumas that I triggered in him that just never got resolved. And um, I also like, you know, I kept popping, hopping on Grinder just to chat with random people because like I could not find the connection that I needed. And I, you know, was still under, like I, I couldn't figure out why, why am I doing this thing that I don't want to do, mm-hmm. but I, I do want to do it. So, and there's a the thing is I did. Like there's like, I had to acknowledge the reality that there was in me a desire to connect with somebody other than my romantic partner right now. And is that because I hate him? No, I love him. I really do. Like he, he was my person and I really did not want to hurt him. And at the same time, we were also hurting each other immensely. And I also was afraid to ask for what I wanted. What I wanted was like, I want to have sex with more people. I want to try different things. Like, this is great, but like, you know, he was, he was eh, neither here nor there. So after <clears throat> that relationship ended and we parted ways and I was living by myself, I just kind of came to the conclusion for myself is like, okay, I believe within me, there exists the desire at minimum to have a partnership that is at least open, um, like non-monogamous where like we are very likely will be each other's romantic partner, but I want to be able to have like, you know, sex with who I would like to have sex with and uh, explore that in all these many different ways, especially like being a part of like queer culture, like the ways in which relationships evolved are not necessarily like strictly romantic and platonic, like, and the the ways I've kind of like seeing how I've shifted in my own thing is like, now I see every single friendship, every single person I'm in relationship with as a relationship. Mm-hmm. as a different aspect of deep love and companionship. You know, I'm no I'm now no longer seeing my romantic endeavors as a pathway to happiness or like a pathway to marriage. Um I'm enjoying them. And I think like that was really kind of and again I don't I don't do this perfectly because nobody does, but I was like because of reading up on non-monogamy and learning about the different ways of talking about it and the different ways polyamory can be practiced or the different shapes it can take within relationships. I, I recognized a path towards incredible radical honesty that I didn't see in any other aspect of my life. And once it's like, really, it's like, 
tell the truth all the time to everyone about everything. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was a conclusion that I came to. So like, it was really like discovering my, you know, my polyamorousness um, that I really like learned how to love people better. And I think also just like, that's, I would say that's across the board. Man, I love all that so much. Yeah, I also, I feel like I talked for like a, like 15 minutes straight. I'm no, so sorry. so good. I think you hit on just a really big point that a lot of people come to this conversation or idea by, which is that unfortunately there's um, many of us who have been the one who have betrayed, like mm-hmm. I'm, you know, quoting, like whatever that looks like, betrayed our partners mm-hmm. and- we were, and, and we're like, we don't want to do that. Right. But how do you hold that thought? And I still cannot get these desires to go away mm-hmm. or like, you know, my, um, my, my hope to explore in, in whatever that looks like. And I want to be able to be honest with my partner and share those things. And it sucks. Cause it's in a lot of ways, like it, it will potentially hurt them. Right. Yes. But what's, you know, what's better? Are we, are we going to continue to like suppress our feelings and our thoughts and eventually like they boil over into potential infidelity or, or like, do I name what's going on right now and ask for what I need? And if the person in front of me cannot give me what I need, then that is data to respond to. It doesn't mean that my relationship is broken necessarily. It means that like, I have a possible need that I need to be met. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think when we, a need or a want or like, you know, need, want, desire, like at the end of the day, if you want something, you want something. Like, I think a lot of us also like want to pathologize our desires and thinking I should, again, I should be happy if I have the thing that is prescribed to me and it just doesn't work like that. And I, and I know I've talked to people just like, I want to express, like you said, I want to express this to my partner, but I know it would hurt them because in their mind, like this is like, you know, it's, it's in some ways I even think wrong, like the deconstruction conversations and progressive people are all like, Oh yeah, I've got non-monogamous friends. That's fine for them. But like, as soon as like their partner comes to them and says like, Hey, uh, I think I'm experiencing X, Y, Z feelings and I'm not sure what to do with them. It's automatically like, <gasps> like world war three and also incredible amounts of fear. And also there's something wrong with me. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's very interesting. It's a hard response because for me, what I would love is for people to be like, you know, this sucks and it's hard to hear, but thank you for coming to me and telling me it instead of hiding it. Yes. Um, have you read the book by Esther Perel, A State of Affairs? I'm listening to it right now. Okay. <laughs> it's such a good book for anybody who has had infidelity either by yourself or your partner, or you're thinking about it, or you're trying to sort of reframe, but um, the I think the the basis to it is really how infidelity really isn't about the person that it's being done to. It has a lot more to do with the person who's doing it and why, why like what is behind that feeling. Yeah, and I think that hearing that concept, I was like, for me, 
coming from purity culture and having had only been with one person since I was 16 years old, mm-hmm. like I really felt this sense that I had missed out on like an exploration stage. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, and that, and that's one piece of it. Like I could, you know, get into the whole thing of like why I had all of these thoughts and all of that, but like the exploration stage, I think is one that comes up pretty often for people who are coming from religious backgrounds. And like, also there's that feeling of like being put into the box. Like we were literally forced into this box Mm -hmm. and for you like you were forced into the heteronormative box and like I can see how a person like yourself would like want to break free of that and then like want to experience like the ultimate freedom in your choices and your body autonomy and yes all of those things and that's really like what I think was very attractive to it and it wasn't like freedom just to like have all these yes it's freedom to have all the experiences i desire to have and like create a delicious life through that but i think it was also um that freedom is only available through the radical honesty that it takes to ha- to maintain these relationships in in healthy and ethical ways yeah. and i think that's like a lot i mean like again like people look at queer people and they think they were all horny which we are <laughs> you know, unless you're asexual and maybe you're not as horny you're just horny in different ways you know right <laughs> um, well i think what well, i think you know more people are horny than they're actually talking about so <laughs> listen i wish people would just be be real about more like how horny they are all the time yeah but for me like when i tell you <laughs> ugh, <laughs> well that's that? like that's the thing about like the polyamorous and like non-monogamous spaces are like fucking so honest like mm-hmm. like we're all just like put your shit out on the table like tell us how you feel like it's all norm- like we normalize all of it and it's so like it's such a breath of fresh air yeah it's delicious and i mean for me like that is ironically the kind of conversations and relationships i was hoping to have through church community or what's interesting is like in church communities, like be radically honest, be true about who you are. But if we find out who you are and it's not who we think you should be, then you have to start shifting those things. And so it was like, you know, I think that's what draws so many people into like evangelicalism and even fundamentalism in those really fancy spaces is like, you know, come as you are, you're loved as you are, no matter what. And the reason you feel bad right now is because you're doing bad things and you got to change your behavior in order to be, like get right with God and that's going to fix it. So it's like for me like being in like polyamorous spaces or just talking with folks and like being able to be honest about what I want it's like and how I'm feeling like that kind of like radical honesty was what I hoped for in the church or what I thought I was getting in the church but like you've never been in a, in a more honest circle than either AA or, um, you know, in the dark room at Heretic. I'm just <laughs> Yeah, no, it's so true. It's like, I see a lot of um, overlap between the deconstruction and polyamorous community. Obviously, like, I'm, like, right smack there, dad in the mm-hmm. middle. Um, but really just, like, this idea, like, that we can, we can actually be who we are instead of, like, having to conform. Um, and I think... I had a thought here and I'm going to hold on just a second here. So, and I, and I recently actually just 
put up a question for, I, I had a question for like monogamous folks. Cause like for myself, like once I came to um, this thought process of just being completely honest about our desires and our feelings and all of this, like once I made that shift into what I now like call myself as polyamorous, um, I truly cannot understand monogamous folks like I mm. it, it doesn't actually like I can't comprehend it but I want to because I really do believe that monogamy the structure of monogamy is very valid and like it works for a lot of people so I had um, recently just put up this question on my account of like what would you do if your partner fell in love and you wanted to remain monogamous um and someone brought up the point of that for a lot of people you kind of kind of have to like know the unknown or it is really hard for certain people to um suppress and like have these desires and then like not not be able to explore them because then they'll just continue to like eat away at you I'm trying to remember how I was wrapping up into what you were saying <laughs> yeah just the idea that um putting ourselves in back into that box is, is, is really a tough pill to swallow for a lot of us. And I think that's why I don't swallow it anymore. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's why I don't swallow. Oh, <laughs> so sorry. The, I think you are just kind of like what I, what I hear from you is that like, there is, I think that a lot of people aren't even like recognizing that it's a possibility within their relationship. And like, you know, the only thing that's more time, that's just as time honored as marriage is divorce, you know? Right. Yeah. It's also something I think like Esther said in her, Esther Perel said in um, The State of Affairs, it's like the only, uh, the only uh, act more sacred and upkept than marriage is infidelity. Yeah, um, it's true. And, and I think that you can be like you can just take on this um, idea of being radically honest with your partner. Mm -hmm. And I, I even go as far to like suggest that like, if you're even just with your partner, like, and you're in a monogamous structure, but you're like, just being honest, like, and literally discussing your desires and mm -hmm. talking about, you know, your fantasies and all of that, like that is actually mm -hmm. stepping into more of like a non-monogamous space. So with that like post that I put up, like I, what I found super interesting was that the people who actually commented on it and said like, hey, I'm monogamous. Um, and, and yet like I have sort of an openness to mm -hmm. the evolution of humans you know, and the evolution of a relationship. And I don't know where my relationship is going to go in the future, mm -hmm. but I do acknowledge that things can change and desires can change yeah. and people can have certain feelings. Yeah. I have, um, that's happened for a few friends of mine who got married early, early on in their, you know, evangelicalism and then, you know, deconstructed and now are doing whatever or living the life that they want. Um, who have decided like they I mean they have kids and so it's like they stay married because there's still a friendship there there's still co-parenting there, there's still love there and they also decided that they are allowed to and do actively date other people to fill in those like to those fill fill in those desires because like they realize like both of them are queer like one couple of mine like a couple friend like they both realized both of them was queer the other two they realized it was like yeah it's just like the romance is just not there so like let's not force it 
Like, it's okay. Like, I think that that's a beautiful way of like, kind of like, I would say like queering a relationship in some mm-hmm. ways of saying it doesn't like, really, I think like polyamory is like so fucking queer and delicious. Like, because like it's, it really blows off the boundaries and outlines of what relationship is supposed to quote unquote supposed to look like. So I, I say all that because <clears throat> I think that what I think everyone, I just like society over and like, especially like I, I'll speak to like my own tradition, like, and like where I'm finding locating myself, which is around like progressive Christianity and whatnot is we have to really, regardless of whether you're a monogamous person or not, um, or actually like if you are a monogamous person, you like, you have to deconstruct your monogamy. Mm-hmm. You have to figure out like, why am I doing this? And also what are the bet like, you know, what, where's my benefits, but also like, where am I, um, where are my limitations and understanding? Yes. Um, and then recognizing the ways in which your relationship is centered and empowered, both like in programming, in social structures, in the tax system, et cetera, et cetera. And figuring out ways to like, what would it be like for you to center, you know, a, like, what would it be like for you to center a non-monogamous uh, thruple at your church, you know, or in your circle or like, or like ask their experience or ask their advice on relationships, you know? Yeah. Um, I think you're, you're, you're kind of hitting on exactly what I was sort of going for, which is just like, I really love when a person is monogamous and I can talk to them and they can tell me exactly why they're monogamous. Yeah. That's my friend, Miles. My friend, Miles is trans man in a relationship with a cis woman. Um, very monogamous. They're never getting married as you know, unless something, you know, something strikes lightning strikes them both or something. I don't know. Then they might both be dead, but, um, <laughs> uh, but Miles and I think Miles and I kind of have a similar approach to our friendships, um, and the way that Miles has put it before is like a sacramental friendship, like something that reveals the divine to me, something that is deeply loving and delicious, and I kind of see that with all of my friendship, like my close close friendships too, is like they're romantic in a sense, like. I dedicate time to these people. I sp- I actively pursue their life. Act like, well, what are you doing? How can I support you? Do you what do you need? Um, like this past Sunday, um, like my six closest friends all came over to the house and we just had like an afternoon of well-mannered frivolity. And I just like, like I'm so taken care of and loved. Like these people, like this is what I would want in a partner. This is what I would want in uh my romantic life. And here I am getting this fulfilled by all these beautiful people. Yeah. That's actually one thing that really bothers me about um, modern normativity is that there we put sexual and romantic uh, connections above platonic ones. Mm -hmm. And like, for me, I have, you know, several connections in which they're like, they, they cross into like the, the sexual you know, arena that are actually like not even close to as important as some of my very close platonic friendships. Amen. So yeah, I think when you, for me, it all comes back to like how fluid 
polyamorous like Mm -hmm. and how we all sort of land on this spectrum and the spectrum is very fluid yeah and like i like i was like i always i don't hate the word spectrum or like the the use of spectrum i think of like sexuality gender and maybe even like relationship orientation i think of it all as like like a cosmos maybe like where some you know i'm floating out here in space and some days my the gravitational pull is over here and sometimes the gravitational pull is over here and sometimes like depending on how i'm floating through the cosmos i might be more attracted to one thing or another and i love that that's what i think so it's just like i think it's all sexuality gender relationship orientation it's a cosmos and like i think that gives me that's the freedom to the fluidity you were talking about yes there's, there's such freedom in being able to say um not only uh am i gonna like not only do i expect a change was like i know that it's probably going to happen and so I don't need to fear those things. Like this, this is very natural. Mm-hmm. This is a very natural part of my expansion. I see that same metaphor when I think about this. Um, and it's also one of the reasons why I love um, one of the terms in polyamory is like a comet partner. And I've talked about it on the podcast before. Ooh, but, I've never um, heard this. But oh, like you haven't heard that? that? No. Um, so a comet partner is basically just someone who you might not have consistent like in-person um, interactions with, but they sort of orbit, like they come into your orbit yes, at different yes. times, right? Um, and so I have one comet partner that I literally don't know when when I'll see him, but like he just... Well, when he gets time, like we hang out and it's great, it's, but it's like, it's so much, it's so much like a friendship, right? Yes. It's just like, we don't, we don't go, that person isn't my friend anymore because we haven't seen each other in two months. Yeah. It's just, you guys are, <laughs> I, and that's how I feel that like my closest friendships are the same way. Like, and again, I think this has everything to do with being an internet human, but like a lot of my really close people do not live in my city, mm-hmm. but like when we do get together, like even those friendships, like I would even kind of put them there on the same level. Just like you are my co-conspirators. You are the people like it doesn't make them less special. It just means we haven't fucking seen each other. And that's not a problem if you don't want it to be a problem. Because mm-hmm. um, I think it's too, it's that, that expectation of what a relationship is a quote unquote supposed to look like. Um, and I think the only the, a relationship is supposed to look like um, uh, people enjoying each other. Yes, I know. And for me, like that, I had to break out of mononormativity within the context of non-monogamy as well um, with that specific connection. Because for me, I was like, okay, I want, I want this consistent partner that I see all the time. Well, he couldn't give me that. And so I actually broke up with him like, like three times. And like every single time we, I would be like emotional and he would be emotional. And then we, I would just be like, why am I doing this? you know, like, and we'd end up reaching back out, rekindling and being like, okay, but we were never like officially, like, we never put like a label on our connection, right? Mm-hmm. Again, that's like a whole nother thing is like the labels and such. But um, yeah, where I kind of landed is like, why would I cut off mm-hmm. this connection when again, like I wouldn't do that to a friend if they didn't have like the time to see me in person. So yeah, it's just like such a freeing thing yeah. to allow yourself to like break out of the, mm-hmm. like what it has to look like and just yeah. genuinely just ask yourself, like, is this person bringing value to my life? Hell- Ooh, 
<laughs> ding, 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 ding. That's the question. Is this relationship helpful to me? You know, and by helpful, that can mean like, do they help? Do they help me experience joy in real time in my body? You know, do they inspire good feelings in me? And if that's the case, then wonderful. Like that's a, like, it can be that simple. We want to complicate it. And I really, and I just think this again, it's the Western ideal. It's supposed to only be one thing, and like it has to be forever, and you have to live together and type your finances and when in reality like you know maybe we're only supposed to see each other every now and again because justice where our life's at right now enjoy that as much as we can for even if it's just for that little bit of time and people will again like success is not longevity you know right. success success um i think that like capitalism teaches us that success like i am worth uh only what i produce like it's that it's a very capitalist like i only am worth what i produce and um and like if you really want to like break it down the reason like marriage and serial monogamy became normalized is because capitalism wanted people to like this is how you do it this is this is how you work the lines and work the factory so you can do the, like it was modern marriage is a capitalist thing because capitalists wanted a, a workforce and the only way they could guarantee a workforce is if they like structured it that way and so i think as much like de uh i think that deconstructing our ideas around what relationships are supposed to look like i think is also in some ways like it's decolonizing it in some way it's it's moving beyond or asking what were we doing before capitalism mm, you know mm -hmm. what kinds of relationships that are like what are what are relationships when they are not transitory or transactional what are relationships that are built on mutual trust and just mutuality in general? Like we're giving, like we're in this relationship because it's giving something to us. Like, like that's the thing. If we can just be honest, we're in relationships because we want something and there's something in that other person, whatever it is that either delights us or something. And like, we get something out of it, whether or not it's like a, like whether it's like explicit or intrinsic, but we are getting something out of it, even if it's joy. And if we will just admit that, like, I'm only in relationships with people who whom I have joy with. Like, and I and the reason I do that is because they make me feel good. They make me come alive. They make me happy. And it's like, it is that simple. And That's yet there why. are so many people out there who are in relationships who don't feel like that at all. I know. And it's like, why? And it makes me, it like, it just makes me so sad because... I think you and I, like, like we just, for us, it feels very simple because like, you know, we've crossed this, what seems like an uncrossable canyon. And it's like, it's not, it's, it's like, there's a bridge right there. Yeah. Like you don't, you don't have to hop over this like long thing. It's like, there's like a, a way of, I don't know, like letting go of like, I feel like They've taught us that if you don't find the one, if you don't find this one particular relationship, you're going to be alone forever. That's the narrative. Yeah. And again, and it all comes back to fear, which is how they keep us in the in organized religion as well. One thing I was thinking about, because I watched your um, TikTok today about, oh, yeah. um, about uh, what was the name of the guy that asked you? Uh, oh, if George. You had, if it, uh, George asked you if you had prayed about your homosexuality. Yeah. And I don't, about it. <laughs> I don't believe that um, polyamory is 
um, automatically, um, you know, is a, is queer, mm-hmm. but, um, I do really, it, it's hard for me because I, I hear your story. Like your story was basically essentially like, he's like, have you prayed about it? And you're like, yes, I fucking spent 12 years thinking, you know, like thinking about these things, trying to force myself to think different thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I, I hear that. And I'm like, oh my God, like that is how I felt about this. Like I spent three years of my life, not 12, but three years of my life since opening this box, just trying to, yeah, like shove myself back in and being like, it would be so much easier if I could just like not feel this way. I don't want to feel this way anymore. Mm-hmm. And like, that's that feeling of, I don't want to feel that is so counter to like the source. And it, like, this is me very talking Abraham Hicks style, but like the source, like if I think our feelings are really delicious indicators of what thoughts we're carrying and whether those thoughts are in line with what we actually feel to be true in our bodies. Um, or even know to be true intrinsically. Um, and so like you, like, you know, trying to, it was, it was like the thought of, I wish I didn't feel this way. And it's just like, but actually in reality, do I really want to wish this feeling away? The only reason I feel bad about it is because other people told me I should. So is that true? I would feel better. And so I just like, I've gotten real, I mean, like I think any person who's gone through a large life changes constantly evaluating like the new information like is this true is this helpful um and i think that's the same thing that's true like uh if we just like it's all pulling back layers it's all being able to say like you know why do i believe what i do and and if the answer is i don't know maybe you should do a little investigation <laughs> just like a little bit yeah and a little bit of i think also people I mean, I know I was, it's like you pull one card out of this house of cards and everything comes falling down and people are afraid of the destruction of like their worldview for so many reasons, because it is so fragile. And I'm like, friends, if your worldview or the way that you're working in the world is so fragile, uh, you owe it to yourself to knock it down and start over. Yeah. And maybe build yourself an actual house (laughs) with an actual foundation and and to know why you're making the choices you are. Yes, consciously. Yeah. yeah. And with like integrity. And then also being able to like include a diverse kind of family of people with you. So it's like, I mean, even if you are monogamous and like, you know, you just, that's just your gig. Like my friend Robin, um, Dr. Robin Henderson Espinosa, um, romantically like, they kind of like talk about um, their partnership that we my friend Miles talks about. It's just like, I am romantically like with this person, but the way that we are approaching our relationship in general is, you know, kind of a little bit more of like a polyamorous bend to it. We're like, these relationships are just as important as the sexual or romantic relationship we have. They're different. They're important in different ways. Yeah. I can understand totally how a person can say, I personally, I do not have the bandwidth to have more than one romantic relationship. Yeah, that's generally what I find with at least these two friends. Yeah, but, and yet, and also to kind of say, but that's me, right? Like, that's how I feel. That's not necessarily how my partner feels. And to be able to like, listen and hear 
how your partner feels and like what kind of bandwidth they have around their romantic connections or sexual connections or whatever it is like is such a gift I think so in terms of dating and everything I'm just curious like I want to hear a little bit about your experience I I had a friend come over the other night who is monogamous she is looking for her soulmate or person girl I hope you find it (laughs) prayers up and you know again like I respect what people's choices are but man she left and I was just like I'm like feeling anxious for her yeah like I I have a friend like that too uh, but that's another story for another time. Ooh. Yeah. Um, and I think just like that pressure, right? Like she's like literally got her little boxes lined up, you know, of what she needs in this partner that is going to be her soulmate. And yeah, I think that's how a lot of people approach relationships. And I was just like, man, like, I don't know. Like, so, I mean, I'm going to be honest, like, there are days I have a podcast called purity to polyamory. Like I talk about polyamory every single day and there are still moments in time where I go, fuck, is this for me? Am I polyamorous? Um, and then I hear these things about what it's like to, you know, choose monogamy or what she's doing. And I'm like, that sounds like so much pressure right now. I've got like a, a handful of amazing friendships some sexual some romantic some completely platonic and all of those people are just like fluidly filling all of these different boxes mm-hmm. for me and you're looking for one person to do that yeah it's like i feel like i'm like you i'm just like, i feel a little it does sound like so much pressure um and i often like i want to ask them just like is that like if that'll if you think that'll make you happy i hope you get it but just you're i don't know if you're looking for a human as much as you are like a ken doll maybe right yeah it's like yeah i um like my dating history like i've had like one very serious partner we were living together the whole nine dated a few guys in between there um over the summer, I had this cute little tryst with a uh, a gay couple, and like they were open, and I'm just like, oh, I'm gonna date both of these guys, and we're gonna Ooh. just, oh my gosh, I was so crushing on both of them. Me and <laughs> had sex with one of them; it was magical and delicious, and you know, I think as the phrase goes, it just kind of fizzled out, mm-hmm. which I tried. And I guess like because I'm bringing it up, I'm still taking, I don't mean it, I don't want to take it personal, but there's like a part of me that's like, oh, what's wrong with me? Why didn't they want to talk to me? Mm. Which like, there are a zillion reasons why people don't want to talk to people. And, you know, if they want to talk to me, if they want to text me back, they will. Um, And I don't need to, this is me talking myself up because like, (laughs) that was my first time being in some sort of situation where I was actively trying to date a couple like two people who are already connected to each other like figuring out okay so how do i move with both of you with one of you it was very fun mm. and i was just like i got to be very honest with them about like hey this feel like i'm the story i'm telling i use like the Brene brown the story i'm telling myself a lot with them and it was like i feel like they were just very lovely and gentle you know while mm. we were still communicating um and in general, I think, like, at least for Atlanta, most of, like, most of my queer friends are open in some regard. Like, okay. 
it's not not universally um but like most of my close friends are open and non-monogamous themselves even if they are like pursuing eventually like a <clears throat> you know a romantic partner maybe but we're all kind of like in our 30s and like evangelical land so all of us are just like ah we might get married we might not i just really i'm just fucking around right now yeah i love that so like you are surrounded by people who are like open to the conversation oh yeah which is really really cool because like i get to be very very open so like when i was dating a couple like i could tell them the like, guys i went on i had these guys i like, brought them to my house i made a charcuterie board i made craft cocktails played with a dog <laughs> oh my god call me back oh <laughs> how don't know. I, I do i do think that like um joining a couple is like one of the most difficult polyamorous dynamics yeah no doubt <laughs> and maybe that was also like a little bit uh i can admit i i love a fantasy life my brain likes to run away with me a little bit so i have to uh i just gotta check in and be like it's okay to have expectations and it's okay to be disappointed um and i think that's also what i've loved about being a non-monogamous person is like now i shoot my shot 100 percent of the time and i don't feel weird about it i'm also like flirting is no longer uh it no longer has an end goal you know and when i say that it's like flirt when i say flirting i mean like when i'm when i talk to a new person in public if i'm at a bar or i'm like at a social thing i'm not thinking is this person my forever i'm not even remotely going there anymore i am just i want to who are you are yeah. you even interesting to talk to are you worth my time <laughs> Am we I could worth literally, if you are you worth my time? Yeah, we could talk for the next five minutes, and it'd be really cool. And then I could never hear from you again. And that was that. Like it was, yeah. it still brought value to my life. It was still awesome. Yeah. When you when you describe it like that, it reminds me of like going back to like us trying to find our one person in purity culture, and like we couldn't like the whole like fucking I kiss dating goodbye shit. Like mm -hmm. it's like you you can't even step into the intention of like getting to know someone unless you want to like be with them forever i'm like that's such pressure i mean like in like i would say this is like me going like what, what's so weird is like my metaphysical ass and like woo ass is always going like okay could that be true like on the like the highest level possible i'm just like yeah maybe you shouldn't engage with someone who you aren't willing to love fully you know, and not that doesn't, again, that's not sexual or like romantic, but just like to really, and I think this is, I think, uh, what I've discovered through blowing off the sides of monogamy for myself is that the way that I love humanity and, you know, people who are hurting and like, just like the world in general, I feel like it's forced me to have like a much more rich interior life and understanding what's going on in here so I can actively give my best to if i were you know dating somebody um but also just like so i can give my best to the entire world like i think that this being poly and non-monogamous taught me that like if i don't love myself first if i don't really really like you know my healing is wrapped up in the healing of the collective and if i'm not taking care of myself like you know if i'm not addressing like those thoughts that are causing me uh to act out of 
out of alignment with who I want to be, like, doesn't matter. If like, I can say I'm non-monogamous all day, but if I'm still struggling with jealousy to the extreme degree that it's causing me incredible strife, then like, am I? Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's a journey. Like it's, it is an immense amount of um, self-reflection mm-hmm. and awareness. And we're already doing that when we start to deconstruct. Um, mm-hmm. But it can be really overwhelming at times. Yeah. <laughs> recognizing you don't have to heal it all at once is a really lovely thing to recognize yes because like again capitalism wants us capitalism wants you to move at the speed of now um and your body is wanting you to move at the speed of how can you like don't move faster than you can control your breath yes you know don't move faster than like you can move in joy and in peace because if you're trying to move faster because you think you should be further you're the only one who thinks that you're really stressing your body out and they would really love for you to stop (laughs) (laughs) that's such a good point so when we i want to talk about one other thing before we wrap up here and i'm curious um you know i don't have as big of a um i into like the deconstruction space and everything that you do and and the conversations that you're having and and what you have experienced through your journey over the last couple years um I'm curious, like, how often are these conversations coming up for you? Um, at least on my Discord channel, like, with um, my little Patreon community, uh, on our um, on our Discord channel, we have a, a thread called Poly Pockets. Oh. Um, for all of our poly and non-monog folks to talk about poly stuff. So, like, we're kind of, like, talking about it, like, both, like, the woes and also just, like, the fun triumphs and, like, went like so many people just like hey i'm meeting one of my partners and i'm also meeting the other person like it's been really cool um so for me it's like it's happening more frequently um in these little little blips um by and large um i don't think people are having oops i don't people i don't think people are having the conversation as much yet um i think i think it's, it's on the docket you know, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, you start them off with gay rights, get them with the gays, <laughs> and then women, and then Black Lives Matter, uh, and then prison abolition, and then um, abolishment of institutional church, or abolishment of marriage and then institutional church, probably. Um, but like when I say abolishment, I mean like the uh, the abolishment of cis-heteropatriarchy. Yes. You know, the mm-hmm. centrality of a heterosexual monogamous eternal marriage. I honestly like I hate that it's probably gonna take that long and I'm 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 of the belief that it can happen now so I think that as uh, if people are remaining in faith spaces you gotta start making room Mm. because if you want if you really want to be a church for all people then fucking be a church for all people yeah like that's and if you don't then don't and just be clear about that and then I know how to avoid you Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had my first like person um slide into my DMs the other day that like wanted to sort of challenge, which I was surprised. I always fucking love when people want to debate. I'm like, yeah. Do you I, really? Do you really? Well, I I was like, I was open to it because honestly, like I'm I'm surprised I haven't gotten that more. I'm sure I will more. Um, but what was interesting was that he was able to um understand the concept of like loving more than one person his hang up was the the sex 
That's it? Yeah. And I was just like, well, here's the thing is like, if you could, if you really believe that like sex outside of your one partner outside of marriage or whatever is a sin, and then you adhere to like sin being that, like the conversation sort of ends here. Yeah. But it's, it's, we disagree, period. Yeah. There's not really, and that's essentially what happened. Like we, we, there's nowhere else to go for us. And that's I, so many fucking evangelicals. Like they want to like, they don't really want a conversation. They just want to tell you their views again. And you can say, well, those aren't my views. These are my views. And then we just do, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, let's not wait. Can we not waste each other's time? Yeah. But I, I think that what I would love to see happen in, in the deconstruction community, um, I hate saying deconstruction community, is also something I need to like uh, preface is what I don't want to have happen is that like as people start having like larger conversations as platforms continue to grow as a result of just us being here on the internet is we got to not make each other our spokespeople mm-hmm. and we got to like just because i'm saying something does not make it a uh, holy word oh, just because like someone yeah. with a po- just because your friend <laughs> has a podcast does not make them the smartest person in the room okay oh my god it's so much pressure and so, like, I do that for myself. It's just like, I, like, I want y'all to know I'm going to mess up and fuck up and say the wrong thing. And I'll, I just even, I even look back on my blogs from a couple years ago and I'm just like, wow, my mind has changed <laughs> so much. And being able to change your mind is like the cornerstone of, I think, creation. Like the, like the ability to change and change one's mind. And I think that's something, A, I would like to see that. It's like the ability to like hold each other with a little bit of grace. And like, just because someone disagrees with you, like... Or has a different lifestyle than you. Um, that doesn't just because you don't understand doesn't mean you cannot be compassionate. And when someone says you're hurting me, or hey, I feel like the way you're phrasing that like could lead to abuse somewhere else. Like just, I don't know. I want people to be a more compassionate and b as far as like discussing polyamory non-monogamy i would love to see it a a lot more in the center in some not even a lot more in the center but just like i don't know like when people are giving dating advice with someone like like considers like well have you considered opening your relationship what if that was like a viable option right what if i don't know just like just like the conversation from the beginning like for every relationship that's what i want to see it's like Mm, people talking about it from the very beginning like I, i think that's happening like i um I think younger people are doing that. Like my, I have a cousin who's 21 and we were just talking about that. And she's like, oh, and she just started dating a new guy. And she's like, oh yeah, we've talked about the polyamory thing and we're both open to it. We don't want it right now. And I'm just like, fuck yes. Like, yeah. I'm so happy that like, this is becoming more normalized so that it can become a conversation. Now that doesn't mean that people aren't going to change their mind down the road, but um, just to, you know, be able to bring that into the compatibility conversation is so awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you what, like, there's like, I don't know how many times I've had to swipe left because somebody on Hinge says, don't date me if you're not committed to monogamy. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> you're going to yeah. miss out on this good dick. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a gift. Like, it's a gift for you to be that clear with me. Sweet. Yes. You know, you know you're not going to. And then I love that. That's the thing. Just like, if you're clear about it, rock on. And yeah. I will just yeah. be over here. 
Thank you so much for coming on today. I, it was a pleasure. Yeah. I love talking to you. This is really, really fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, and let's see. So, if, I mean, everyone knows who you are. So I feel like we don't really need to talk about it, yeah. but let's do it anyway. So yeah. The Kevin Garcia across yeah. social media. Um, the book is called Bad Theology Kills. You can get it at badtheologykills.com. And if you want to be a part of a spiritual community that is a little different, come hang out with the Crowded Table Spiritual Community for All Heretics and Doubt-Filled Believers. Love it. That's, that's like the full title. That's patreon.com slash the Kevin Garcia. All right. Awesome. Thanks, Kevin. My pleasure. Thank you so much for joining today the Purity to Polyamory podcast. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can sign up for my Patreon. It's patreon.com slash purity to polyamory. For more content, please visit my Instagram at purity to polyamory. I want to do a quick shout out to Sam Montooth for the music. You can find his information in the show notes. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in. Reach out to me, share your comments, share your questions. I'd love to hear from you. Be well, friends.